DJ PK, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, reminding you to join the Big Show Friday from 2 to 7 at the Warehouse, 86 East University Parkway in Orm. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! All right, time to bring in Katie Wingy right now, reporter, analyst, and host for Altitude TV, covering the Denver Nuggets. Katie joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Katie, good morning on Game 7, the morning of. Good morning, fellas. How are we doing? We're doing well. Nobody's doing as well as Jamal Murray. We're all kind of more in uh, <laughs> Jokic territory. Can you believe what Murray has done? Because the Joker scares everybody here. He's had big games against the Jazz. He's doing his 25, 26 points a night in the playoffs. But Jamal Murray has blown up. Did anybody see this coming in Denver? You know, I don't know if we saw it to this level coming, but Jamal has had glimpses of brilliance throughout the past couple years. And I think we saw that in last year's playoffs too. But to have him be putting up the numbers that he's putting up and the way he's doing it, I've been honestly more impressed with the way he's been carrying himself as well as the leader of this team, as you know, the guy that sets the tone with his emotions, the way he's been speaking and been a representative for the Nuggets and just has like worn his authenticity on his sleeve. It has been so much fun to watch, at least if you're in Denver, it has been. Um, and if you're just a basketball fan, I think you can't deny the, the greatness that is the battle between Mitchell and Murray that we've been witnessing so far this series. I'm interested to see what you think would happen if he comes out and everything isn't uh, just flowing and the basket isn't the proverbial as big as an ocean. Because we've seen some players, if it's not going well, maybe they fall off. Where the great ones, you know, even if they're having a horrible shooting night, can still find ways to make big baskets at big times, even if the percentage overall isn't good. So if it isn't going well for him right from the start, how do you think he'll respond? Yeah, I think he's that guy, honestly. He's, he knows he's not going to make every single shot, even if he might think he's going to make every single shot because that's how confident he's playing right now. You know, if he misses his first couple or isn't hitting in the first half, but the game is still close, he's a guy that rises up when the stage gets bigger and, and the lights come on. And so, to me, I wouldn't see him checking out or getting frustrated or being concerned at all if, you know, it's a two-point game in the fourth quarter and he only has four points or six points or whatever it might be, because then he might score 20. Like, he's that good at flipping the switch and turning things on. And does it happen perfectly every time? No. But I'm not concerned about him not being red hot right out of the gate here. I think he has found ways to run this team, contribute to this team in ways that aren't just scoring. I mean, his rebounding, his playmaking, have both have been next level for Jamal Murray. And so I think he'll, he'll turn to those things. He'll turn to his, his defense improving to try and get some easy buckets offensively, try and get his teammates involved. He'll keep looking for a shot if it's not falling. But, again, like, it's not going to affect his confidence in the fourth quarter if he's only made two shots up until that point. He's still going to take those shots and is going to think that he's going to make them, and he probably will when the moment is, is bigger. So sometimes role players emerge in these moments. No one in Utah will be shocked if Murray or the Joker has a big game in Game 7. But of the other guys, especially if they, if they trap Murray and force the ball out of his hands and, and stick with Jokic, who do you think has the temperament and the personality and the skill set, the talent, to have a big game in Game 7 uh, and, and be a difference maker? 
Yeah, you know, I would love to say Michael Porter Jr., in all honesty, because the Nuggets second unit, I think, needs a little burst. Gary Harris provided that a little bit in the last game, more defensively than offensively, though, and just the energy that he brought, and his teammates trust him uh, immensely. And so to be able to have a guy on the floor that you're like, I know what I'm going to get from him, I know I don't have to worry about where I need to be, I think that that kind of lifted everybody in that second unit, everybody that was playing with him on the floor, but Michael Porter Jr. is a scorer, undoubtedly. And so I think that if Joker's double-teamed, Jamal's double-teamed, and they have, they're forced to, to give up the basketball, then you're leaving a Michael Porter Jr. wide open on the three-point line. And I mean, he knocks down a couple of those, and then he gets going, and his confidence builds as a rookie, and he'll try and get to the basket, get to the free-throw line. So I would love to see him you know, knock down a couple threes. He was really cold last game. I think he was one of seven or one of six from the three-point line. But it's a numbers game, right? So if you want to play that game, maybe he knocks down a couple more uh, in game seven here tonight. So we'll see. I mean, that's the thing with the Nuggets. They're so deep that it really could be anybody. And if it's not Jamal and it's not Joker and the ball is forced out of their hands, anybody else, it could be, uh, you know, by committee or it could be one guy that, that shines even brighter. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. How much do you think the Nuggets can draw on previous playoff experience in this game? A lot, especially since they've played two Game 7s, and now they've played two must-win games behind them. Um, I I think having those high-pressure, you know, in a situation where you have to dial in, you have to focus, you can't put that much pressure on yourself because I'll still be out of your rhythm. You'll try and do things that you're not used to doing. So I I do think, as of recently especially, like two Game 7s last year, the Nuggets beat the Spurs, in the first round in a Game 7. They lost to Portland in Game 7 at home, but that game went right down to the wire and was a huge performance from Damian Lillard. Uh, And so having these two most recent games as well and kind of the momentum shifting to be in Denver's favor, I think all of that works for them. I think all of that adds to what they're going into with this game tonight. And this team, I've, I've been telling a lot of people this, it's so funny, they can never make it easy on themselves, it seems like, but they prefer that. Like, they prefer to be the underdogs. They prefer to have this title on them that, like, oh, they're down 3-1. Only 11 teams in the NBA have done that. Now their mentality coming into today's game is, you know, why can't we be the 12th? Why not us? And so they thrive in those situations. You guys know this. I mean, they, were, they only played seven guys that game in Utah during the regular season and somehow found a way to win that game. So they love situations where people count them out where people have doubted them, and then like a phoenix rising from the ashes. That is totally their identity in so many situations, this season and even last season as well. I would assume the one thing the Nuggets fear is Donovan Mitchell just, you know, shooting, you know, just playing out of his mind and going off for 50 or 60 or something crazy. Uh, Is there anything else that the Nuggets really fear going into this? What concerns Denver heading into this game? Sure. Well, I think one step further than just Donovan Mitchell is the pick and roll in general. They have struggled really all series long finding an answer to defending that. Last game was a lot better. I think the second half of game five was better as well. Just mixing up their coverages, taking away different role looks, forcing mid-range jumpers. And it just helped that you know Utah didn't hit everything they threw up in those games because it seems like they had been really all series long so far. So I think mixing up coverages and pick and rolls, not letting Gobert just get dunk after dunk after dunk. And, you know, games two and three, that's what we felt like was happening in Denver. And so 
it's almost like you go back to a game one mentality, right? And Coach Malone joked about this after that game. It's like, well, if Donovan Mitchell has, you know, 53, 55, 60 points, but we still win, does it matter? Does it matter how we defended him? And I kind of think it's going to be that type of mentality of like, look, we know how good Donovan Mitchell is. We know how he rises when the moment is big and how he steps up for his team. We don't want anybody else to beat us in this situation. If Donovan Mitchell beats us, you know what? That Maybe that's something that we can live with because he just had that great of a game and just beat our coverages and our strategy that well. But if everybody else starts knocking down those shots, that's when I think the Nuggets will feel really defeated. So defending that pick and roll will be huge. Having their rotations be there defensively. I mean, just really, it sounds so broad, but like defense in general has to show up for Denver today. And that's how Coach Malone actually ended his press conference yesterday. He said, you know, defense will be the key to us beating the Utah Jazz and then walk, was like, thanks, and walked off the screen. So that is in the forefront of their minds right now. I think they think that they'll figure it out offensively, but they have to be on track defensively. So you talk about how the Nuggets love being the underdog and have been able to thrive. Well, you can argue in games five and six they are, but now in game seven they aren't. you think that has any effect? No. It's, now it's game seven. Now they've made it here. I just don't think that that it's like the confidence has built from game five, game six, and then they, they made it to a game seven. So now it's like, let's finish the job. Um, I, I don't see this team being too confident or too cocky or any of those things or overlooking this. I mean, some people have been saying, you know, don't, they've been playing really well, but let's not get ahead of ourselves here. And I don't think they will either. I think they know what's at stake. Obviously the jazz have, delivered a, a couple hard butt kickings to this team. And so they're fully aware of, of what they can do and how they can come out of the gate and how they can just knock down shots and, and get all their teammates involved and how much rhythm they can develop with, within their five that are on the floor. The Jazz do a really great job of playing together. And that's something that coming into this series, the Nuggets pointed out, the players and the coaching staff, they're just the Jazz are a well-coached team that play together similarly to the Nuggets in that they're passing up good shots for great ones. And so Denver is coming in wide-eyed, I think, to Game 7, but they also are like, we did the work to get here, let's reward ourselves. We know you got to run, last thing, and we don't need a long answer if you don't have time, but can either of these teams beat the Clippers? You know, I have actually been surprised, based on that Mavericks series, the Clippers have some, some vulnerabilities, and I think they... It'll be a better series than anybody would have expected is what I'm predicting. No matter what team moves forward, because these two are kind of similar uh, in the Jazz and the Nuggets, I do think it will be a more competitive series than what maybe people thought if it wasn't a bubble situation or, you know, if it was the normal NBA playoffs. So I'm not going to start looking ahead to that one quite yet, as I'm sure you guys are neither, but it's going to be fun to see how these playoffs continue to go because I think we've been so fortunate with the basketball that we've seen so far. Katie, we appreciate the time. We know you got to run. Thanks a lot. Yeah, guys, thanks for the time. Katie Wingy joining us right here, reporter, analyst, and host for Altitude TV and the Denver Nuggets. Well, you listen to that, PK. Does that make you more or less certain of what will happen uh, for the Jazz tonight? More or less certain they would win. Uh, I don't know. Does it lock you down on any more expectations for this one? No. It changes nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. I do think, though, the idea of the underdog, is there something to it? And I do think that, uh, well, you know, we're not expected to come back from 3-1, so suddenly the favorite got in the underdog role favored based on seeds. I don't look at odds when it comes to basketball. I don't understand them anyway. 
but when they're down 3-1, you know, why couldn't Jamal Murray just jack it up left and right? What do you got to lose? Well, it's a whole different ball game now. Now it's you're even, and now you're expected to win because you're on the roll. The Jazz, they've been left for dead now, and it was just a little bit of a fluke or what have you, and Mitchell went off. And, and yeah, people can teams can make up for the loss of really good players in the short term, but over the long term, it's going to play out the way we thought, and this is one line of thinking. So with Bogdanovich out, sure, they can make up for it here and there and over here again, and they did that three times. But can they actually win a series without this guy? That's why most of us picked Denver in the first place. So you got all that psychological stuff, and maybe that doesn't mean anything when it's there, but we'll see because we know some superstars psychologically in big moments, we've seen them fail and stumble. And maybe Denver in this situation, because I can't really remember back. I know the seed indicated that they should have been favored last year. But were they really when they went up against the Blazers? You know, I don't remember. I wasn't intimately involved in that series. Well, now here, there's no question you should win this game if you're the Nuggets. And it will be a colossal failure. We saw Ed Lamb for BYU, I think he's associate head coach in football, and acknowledging last year was a disappointment. Well, same thing for the Nuggets. If you lose today, this season is a disappointment. For the Jazz, you know, maybe you, can, you don't say that because you didn't have one of, your, uh, one of your bullets, so to speak. So we'll see how that plays out psychologically. And, you know, the psychology can change. We've seen a change inside of games. Uh, when a team is playing pretty well, goes a little cold and feels a little pressure. And just as sometimes stars don't deliver under pressure, we've also seen role guys come up bigger than they are. And, you know, we're famous in NBA free agency. You can, you know, pick any area you want. Guys who've been overpaid because they've had a good playoff series and come up big, you know, but it's one series. It's not really who they are in the long run. So I think all those things are X factors out there that make it hard to predict you know, I know for certain this is going to happen, and it's hard to say that. All right, DJ and PK, Sean Hyken covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. We'll get his take on Game 7 tonight, uh, coming up at 9 o'clock this morning. More of your reaction, more of your picks. we got uh, reaction flowing in here. Game 7, what's going to happen in the Jazz Nuggets series, and we will get to that next. Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net. Presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Game 7, Jazz and the Denver Nuggets. Tonight, 6.30 on ABC. The Zone Sports Network's pregame show begins at 5.30. There'll also be a Game 7 in the Thunder Rocket Series. Oklahoma City closing the game on a 12-3 run to beat the Rockets 104-100. They'll play Game 7 tomorrow night. In the East, the Heat open their series with the Milwaukee Bucks with a 115-104 win. Jimmy Butler going for 40. Boston up a game on Toronto. Game 2 tonight is actually today, 3.30 this afternoon on ESPN, followed by the Jazz and the Nuggets. That's your back-to-basketball update, and it is presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. For a bank that understands your business, Zions Bank is for you. Now let's get this party started. This is...
is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Coaches are now telling Bruce Feldman and others in the media it's a real possibility that the Big Ten may try to reverse course and play again later this fall. It's so frustrating to me. But the Big Ten's like, all right, fine, we're coming back November. Oh, Pac-12 would come running. Would they? Oh, yeah, we're on board like an hour or two later. Like, they're just a bunch of followers. So when does the announcement of, yeah, we don't really care about our student-athletes' health come out? Like, does the Big Ten, well, we thought we cared, but we don't really care. And in fact, we'll we're going to play gonna, November. And we're going to start our season right smack dab in the middle of flu season. <laughs> it's like, we think it's safer now. Stop with the we care. You don't. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Game 7. What is going to happen tonight? How's this going to play out? What are your expectations for the Jazz? What are the odds that they pull this thing off, win the game, and advance to the second round? And Kevin says, 55%. He's giving the Jazz just a slight edge. It's tough to beat an evenly matched opponent three times in a row. Of course, the Jazz did it early in the series. And maybe in retrospect, you know, if the Jazz lose this series, PK... You do the post-mortem afterwards, a lot of people are going to look back at Game 5 and say, oh, come on, you're up by 15 in a closeout game in the third quarter. you got to seal the deal. you got to win it right there. That's the one people are really going to point to. And for the Nuggets, you win Game 1, Mike Conley isn't there. How do, you get, how do you get beat in Game 2? How does that happen? That's the one they'll end up regretting. And, of course, either team, depending on how it plays out, could end up regretting, re, uh, regretting Game 7 tonight. Uh, the only thing that matters is tonight. If you don't want any regrets, then win the ball game. That takes care of that. That's easy, easy to solve. Win the game. Now, win the series. Now, a couple seconds ago, I read you a bunch of negativity flowing on Twitter as Jazz fans are, you know, 6% chance, slim and none. But there is some positivity out here. Jeff says, conservatively, there's probably a 1 million percent chance the Jazz win this game. If I were letting my homerism kick in, I'd move that number even higher. Hashtag take note. Why such outrageous odds? I don't get it. <laughs> One million percent? Uh, probably because you're a fan and you believe. Oh, that's they have a one million percent chance they'll win? Is that yes, conservatively, probably a one million percent chance the Jazz win. But if I let my homerism kick in, I'd move that number even higher. Oh, okay. All right. I, t- I took it the other way. But yeah, all right. Fine. Paul says it's 50-50, and it's science. I don't know what that means. It's a toss-up. Anybody can win this thing. Well, either team can win this thing. Uh, so, yeah. 3-3, you would think that that's the way it is because that's the way it's been. So why would that change? Um, if the Jazz do their thing, I like their odds. If Murray goes off for 40-plus again... Well, and he's a superstar, and he has arrived on the scene in incredible manners. And I say 40 because I do think scoring is inflated a little bit. I think that there's too much of, of evidence now since they've been in Orlando in that situation. So it's a little inflated. But 
it's not like it's 25 points. You're not going to double your scoring average just because you're playing in the, the same place all the time. That doesn't make any sense. You know, maybe I can go, what, 10 points? Even 15 seems a little outrageous, but I'm not going to go 20. I'm not going to double it. Just because you're playing in the same gym with no fans and whatnot, I'm not going to just say, well, man, you have just taken advantage of the situation because the situation is the same for everyone, so you've got to credit Murray but I don't think that he is this good as he is making himself look, of course, and then into the Jazz to an extent, or allowing it to happen. Uh, so with that in mind, and this lady that we just had on from the, from the Nuggets talked about the law of numbers. And so she was saying, well, Porter, basically, you know, she's from the Nuggets perspective and obviously a fan want, wanting them to win, working for them. We understand that's, that's how it works. Um, so she's saying, well, Porter, the law of numbers, will be better. All right, well, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean on those law, law of numbers to talk about the Murray situation. There's just no way he can go for over 40 again, can he? You wouldn't think so. I mean, that's, uh, you know, doubling your average is crazy, but he's, he's averaging 34 points a game in this series, and that's with him scoring 12 and 14 in the two blowout losses. You know, in, in the other four games, he's he's up over forty points a night. Right. That's why I put the, just unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Because you you put you put up forty in a game seven. I mean, I don't care if it, if you're at a basket where you've shot your whole life in a game seven, with with immense pressure. It's on national regular television, and you've got a team defending you and trying to hinder what you're doing. I mean, that that's just very impressive to be able to do that. Now he hasn't done that yet. And I'm anticipating that he doesn't go off. He gets his, but more toward what is normal. Yeah, I mean, if he gets 30, what are the Nuggets going to do? Because they've been winning. I mean, I don't know they lost one when he he scored 50, right? But their scoring has come so much from him. And I really believe that that makes other guys that much more... Uh, at ease because, wow, we got this guy doing it, man. Just get him the ball. So if I'm open, sure, just fire it up because we're up by seven or eight here. Well, if it's not, if he's not hitting, that's that's what I want to see. And obviously I want the Jazz to win. I don't have any problems saying that. I'm not the hardcore fan. I mean, my interests are selfish. I want them to win so we can extend talking about it uh, a little bit more and having fun with the second-round series. When teams win, we do better and all of our aspects of our business. So I don't have that fan perspective. I have the business perspective. So with that in mind, I would love to see Murray come out and go like one for seven. Just to see. Now, maybe he turns it around. <laughs> it turns it around and makes ten in a row. Yeah. Uh, well, who's to maybe, say he doesn't? But maybe he goes two for ten. Yeah. And, and making a layup. shot, the yeah. ball gets heavier and the rim gets smaller. Well, that certainly that certainly hasn't happened in this series where uh, the Joker's been shooting forty nine percent from three, and Murray's been shooting fifty seven percent from three. That ball's been light as a feather for those guys. Yeah, and I can live a little bit more with the Joker from three than Murray. Murray, this is what he's grown up doing. Now, maybe Jokic has too, but you know, if Jokic is out there and it doesn't go in. You know, what's the percentage of the chances of them getting an offensive rebound? Uh, so having my center, now credit to him because he's a, just a marvelous offensive player. There's no doubt about it. But I'd prefer my big guy from a defensive perspective. I prefer the, 
the center in this case. Not because he's not really he plays the position of a stretch four because he's a stretch. He's just a stretch one through five when he's out there. But when he's shooting like that, I'll take my chances because there's so much other stuff he could be doing. And if I'm going to have one guy in the flow of my offense from a Den perspective that I'd want shooting the threes, well, it would be number one would be Murray, number two would be Porter. Uh, because I think Jokic can do a lot. He's, his game is more diversified than those other guys who shoot the threes. So I'll live with him taking the threes. Now, if he's just burning hot, then you need to adjust and make sure he's not wide open. And I've seen Gobert, it seems like in my mind, he's closed out, he's been closer. And then when Jokic puts the ball on the floor, that's where the team defense really has to come in. And everybody needs to be in the rotations exactly where they're supposed to be. And I'm sure, without a doubt, that Quinn Snyder has gone over that a million times so they know where they're supposed to be in those situations. So you talk about the pressure of a Game 7. And obviously last year, the Nuggets played two of them. They were both at home in Game 7, Jamal Murray, against the Blazers in the game they lost. They got eliminated in. Jamal Murray was 4 of 18 and 0 for 4 from 3. Had 17 points because he was 9 for 9 at the free throw line. Now, it's a year later. He was 22 then. He's 23 now. So you got to allow guys to improve, but you wonder if you carry that last game 7 with you. Uh, Jokic had 29 points on an 11 of 26 shooting. So, And they lost a four-point game there. They played better in the uh, – Murray shot it better in the, uh, in the Spurs game 7 uh, when they won in the first round. Uh, he, had, he had a decent game in the game 7 there. So – He's had the experience both ways, and he's a year older, so maybe this doesn't matter so much. But uh, he, he did miss both his three-pointers uh, while scoring 23 points and beating the Spurs. So. Oh, I'll take 23 right now. Oh, right? 20, and in, think about this. In both of the Game 7s Murray played last year, he's a combined uh, 0 for 6 from 3. So if he's 0 for from 3 tonight, what are we the odds of Jazz win, right? We win. We but, win. It's a year later, and he's got these 50-point games under his belt. So you were telling me not to live in the past earlier this morning. Uh, there'd be a little risk if we live too much in the past right now. But to your point, hey, if you start poorly and you've got that in your brain. Now, if you hit the first couple and you're in this building where you've been going off for two weeks in the playoffs against the Jazz, I don't know that you're even going to think You're sky about, high. Yeah, you're not going to think about last year. Oh, no. not You are just... You're at the top of you. You've right. never, literally never felt better <laughs> as, a as a basketball player. player. And it's not just a pro basketball player. I would say through the course of his life when he was lighting up kids when he was younger. He didn't average he 44 out, and a half. <laughs> and if, if he comes out and does this, yeah, for one, they don't play as long. Right. The games 30, are shorter. 32 minutes. And if he comes out and is burning hot, that's just a bad sign because there's no reason for him to cool off. You wouldn't anticipate. The only thing you could hope for is the Jazz are matching it, so then those shots late, late, under five minutes in the fourth quarter become so crucial, and they literally determine who wins the series. And maybe at that point, uh, the psychological aspects play into it a little bit more. But if the Jazz get in that position... That's a little dicey, you know. You'd prefer not that to happen, obviously. But you've got to be prepared for it. And you've got to be mentally tough, too. You've, that's, this is what it's all about, man. That's why I'm excited for this game. I'm going to put all the stuff that's going on. And maybe I'm wrong for doing this. But for a couple hours anyway, all this 
activism and whatnot. I'm not downplaying its importance, but I want to enjoy a basketball game for the sake of enjoying a basketball game. Is that a crime? Am I a racist? Am I uh, a supremacist? Am I not uh, patriotic or whatever, whatever side you're on? Am I wrong in thinking that? I think if you're 100% into whatever highly pressurized um, social or political situation, I think that's why you see burnout. I think no matter what it is, you've got to be able to step away. You know, in your personal situation, you know, you've talked before about, uh, you know, working with youth, uh, being involved in a foster care situation and all that. If the, the people who do that all the time, you see social workers move through that, you, you got to be able to step away at some point. And it doesn't matter if it's a concert or a movie or a game, you got to be able to let it go for a couple hours. You just... You can't, you can't be in the grind 100% of the time, you know, whatever your thing is. You know, if you're a if you're cancer researcher, you, you can't do that all the time. You, you got to have an outlet. Yeah. And so that, I'm looking forward to this from the competition perspective to see what these guys can do. I, I'm going to be watching. I wish I was able to be there so I can – all playoff games here locally, I, I try to get there way early and go into the arena when the fans aren't even in yet and watch the guys, see just how loose they are, see what their mindset is. You want them to be loose, but you don't want them to be too loose. You know, It's that fine line. You want them to be serious, but you don't want them to be too serious. And so all these things go into and we probably overplay it. It's just my thought is if you're going to compare this to real life, then freaking do away with it because at no point, and I've been saying this for years. At no point is any of this stuff more important than real life. And that's always been my opinion, which is why I think I have, I have a lot of things that I suck at, but I think I have sports in perspective because I take it for what it's worth as far as entertainment goes. And I don't grieve or go crazy either way, no matter what happens. I just want to enjoy it as if I were watching a really good movie. And I'm anticipating watching a really good movie. I'm anticipating going in and watching Back to the Future tonight. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Yach's other gig and the news he's discovered. And it's bad. And we'll get to that next. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. BYU Football News next. Stay with us. It's been a long four months. Welcome. Oh, Donovan, don't do me like that. But finally, the NBA is back. Back up and hammer. That is filthy, Rudy. Catch every second of every moment of Utah Jazz basketball. As the Jazz resume play from the bubble in Orlando, your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 7 in the warehouse, 86 East University Parkway, and Orm Price is so low it'll blow your mind. Boom! All right, BYU football, the news leaking out yesterday afternoon. Now confirmed this morning, Matt Bushman, it's bad, PK. He went down to practice, had to be carted off the field, and now an Achilles. A season lost, a year gone. And for a guy who could have gone to the pros, that seems like even even worse. 
You know, he could have a contract and be signed by now. And how are the pros going to look at a guy coming back from Achilles? Achilles? Well, you know, they're going to raise an eyebrow. It's not impossible to come back from, uh, but it's difficult. Well, yeah. I mean, if he wanted to, he can come back next year and play college and yep. show them that that's not an issue. I don't know what he's going to do. Uh, he's getting up there. I know he served a mission. So with that in mind, wish him the best to be able to get healthy. That's football, as Kyle will say. Nobody cares about your injuries. I mean, the, the Naval Academy, yeah, that sucks for you, but uh, it's the way it goes. Once you get out on the field, uh, they're going to have to find a way to overcome that. That's a significant blow. I mean, obviously, they've got other tight ends. At BYU, you know, I, I somewhat to, an, to a degree expect somebody who's right now unheralded to just take advantage of the situation and just be really good because they've had a number of tight ends that don't necessarily come in with a ton of acclaim and accolade, but yet they grow up and be really good. You know, Dennis Pitta, I can remember, he was a skinny walk-on He's a wide receiver. receiver, yeah. And one night we were in the stadium. I was talking to Gary Croton, and he said, the kid's going to go on a mission. He's going to come back. And he's going to be a tight end for us, and he's going to be really good. <laughs> I can remember it. I can remember where we were standing at, on, the, on the grass in the stadium when he told me that. And sure enough, I mean, Gary just called that exactly the way it is. And I can remember another time I was walking off the uh, practice facility. We were walking uh, towards the that door. What's that door on the uh, northeast side where they all walk out of? And I was walking with Robert and I, and he told me, he said, put it down. Daniel Coates is going to play in the NFL. He's a high school coach now. What's that new high school? Farmington. Farmington. But he said, you know, he's probably not going to get drafted. But when he gets into camp, people are going to see what he can do. And he's going to play in the NFL. I remember him specifically telling me that. And sure enough, man, he did. So I got two coaches, two tight ends calling their shots before they happened obviously you don't call them afterward and both guys separated by a number of years with gary telling me that pitta hadn't done a thing yet coats was in the program and had established himself to a degree pitta hadn't done jack as far as a college player he was a skinny walk-on wide receiver pitta grows up so to speak, and becomes one of the better tight ends in BYU history. So I don't know. I can list you the names of people who are in line to be successors. I don't know who it's going to be. But to a degree, I expect one of these kids to play well for the Cougars because I've seen it so many times at that position. PK and talking with some people down there. The name to keep an eye on is Isaac Rex. He is the son. Yeah, and of, I know his name is out there. And he's the son of Byron his, Rex, who's an all. His dad player. played and was pretty good. It was before, right before I got here, all that stuff. But I, you know, BYU was, was on television yeah. a lot, so I saw him play. I was brand so I'm expecting new. Yeah. somebody. I was brand new, and he was really good. He made a lot of plays, but and that's but that's your classic coming out of nowhere, PK. Because I think I think Isaac Rex caught one pass last year. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So it's coming out of nowhere. You got you got one ball. I don't remember. I can look it up who it was against. But was it was it garbage time or against the lesser opponent? I think it was in the Hawaii Bowl. Oh yeah. Things. yeah. See, but the the top receivers. So is Gunner Gunner Romney get a bigger role out of this? Because it sure. isn't just tight end for tight end. You know, there's a quarterback. Who's your go-to guy? And you, it would be easy to default to Bushman. He was the leading receiver a year ago. He's back. He's, he's been leading receiver for three years. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's faster. 
You know, okay. so, but most of the top guys, right? Mike is Simon last year, and yeah, he's gone, and Eleven Hepo's gone. And I, I need receivers to get downfield more. So with or without Bushman, I need receivers to get downfield more and make bigger plays. And Romney, we've been waiting, we've been waiting, we've been waiting. Yep. You come from an historic high school in the Phoenix area. You were recruited by Pac-12. I chided him for not staying home. Uh, had fun with him there. This is a true story. <laughs> kind of chuckled. Was like, okay. Yeah. Not not the first time that an Arizona high school kid who's come up to BYU has heard that line from PK. This is well worn. And he played along with it about that. And he's come up here and he had a rep. And you could argue, well, he hasn't lived up to that rep. You can also argue that maybe that rep was overinflated. And that's why I'm hesitant to put reps on high school kids because we've seen it so many times. And then they try to live up to that and they get, they get swallowed up in it. Well, now he's a junior, right? Yep. And so now is his time. And you had seniors last year that were reliable. And they may not have been spectacular, but they were reliable. Well, now they're gone, and now you got Matt Bushman gone. Matt Bushman isn't necessarily a stretch the field kind of get deep guy, but he's very—he was very good. He's out. So now, yeah, if I'm uh, A. Rod and Jeff Grimes and Kalani, I tell these guys, you know, now's the time, man, because we got a quarterback here who I personally think is really good and he's healthy. Kalani spoke to that. You know, injuries have dogged this kid since he's been in college. He hasn't had time to improve because he's always been rehabbing. Well, now he's had time. You know, it's not the traditional. He got robbed of the spring ball when he was ready to go. But from folks that I've spoken to in the training camp in August, that he has really separated himself, and it wasn't even close. Uh, and I know on their depth chart they gave a little bit of uh, either or as far as Hall and Romney. I think they'll have to see what the situation dictates, but keep your eye on Romney. Uh, as I understand that I've been told he's closed the gap tremendously. Uh, but nothing against those guys. I'm hoping for Zach Wilson that he stays healthy. Uh, he can get that ball downfield now. And so I'm expecting this offense with an experienced front line to be much better in the throw game, as Kyle would call it, huh. this season. And Romney, sure, we know the guys. We can list the guys. And in my mind, Romney's at the top of the list of guys who should be the most productive from the receiver standpoint. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. More football to come because BYU opens the season in six days. Labor Day night at Navy, ESPN primetime. Less than a week to go. So we'll get to that coming up, but right now we got a Game 7 staring us down. Tonight, 6.30, it's the Jazz and the Nuggets. Winner goes on to face the Clippers. The loser is done for the fall. I know, that's a weird phrase in the NBA. DJ. (laughs) It's fall uh, vacation. In (laughs) Pac-12, it's the non-winning team. The non-winning team will leave the bubble. And be done for the fall slash winter. For the life of me, I will never understand how people as smart as the Pac-12 is supposed to be came together and came up with the non-winning team. (laughs) If you don't want to say losing team, all you have to do is say... Washington or UCLA or Utah or Colorado, whoever, is up next. People already watch the game and they know who the winning and losing team are. You just have to say, Washington's going to be in here first and then Arizona will be in here next. That's all you got to see. Why you got to come up with a non-winning team makes no freaking sense. It feelings, brother. Feelings. Yeah, you don't have to. You just say, uh, the Ducks will be in here followed by the Trojans. Okay. All right. That's it. 
<sighs> Megan. Making no, a mess out no, of it. No, they, they didn't make it a mess because then everybody knows this is the way it's going to proceed. The non-winning team <laughs> will go either first or second. So then they have another game, and you don't know. Is it going to be the Cougars and the Beavers? What order are they going to go? But when you say the non-winning team, well, then you set the standard for the rest of the tournament. See, that's where you're wrong. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, Sean Hyken covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. Get Sean's take on Game 7. Mitchell or Murray? Jazz or Nuggets? Or should we look past the stars? Is there a role player who's going to get her done? Sean Hyken coming up next.